Hi, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, I speak with Connie Wang and Winifred Jong about season two of their web series, Tokens. That's coming up on Endeavors. Well, hi there. Happy Tuesday, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. I apologize. I was supposed to have this up um, a few days ago. I had a just been dealing with some health stuff, so I had to go deal with that. Nothing to fear. All is well. I'm really excited about today's show. Uh, as many of the listeners know, uh, I am also a uh, web series creator, short-form web series creator myself, having just finished filming on my first season. So I always love talking to fellow web series creators and web series performers. And in this case... Um, there is a great web series called Tokens, uh, season two of which is premiering starting today, January 10th. On the Roku channel, following its launch on iTunes and Apple TV. Tokens is created by Winifred Jong and stars, among others, Connie Wang. And it is set in the world of actors, cast by productions who are desperate to make their diversity quota. And in season two, it kind of pivots a little bit from the comedic overuse of on-call casting to the more democratic use and commercialization of diverse representation that we saw to more of a Hunger Games-style casting call and the need to get ahead and stay ahead. Connie's character, Sammy, uh quits her on-call casting to try and find a meaningful role and ends up landing a Hollywood agent. Um, but let's just say not all goes according to plan. In addition to Connie, Tokens stars Jessica Greco, Christina Song, Fouad Ahmed, Amy Matzio, Russell Yuen, Ryan Allen, Sharon Matthews, Sedina Fiati, Samora Smallwood, Serena Parmar, Indy Saluccia, Cindy Sampson, and Tara Strong. It premieres tonight on the Roku channel, and I recently spoke with Winifred Jong and Connie Wang. Here is our conversation.
Winifred Jung, Connie Wang. Hello. Happy New Year to you both. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How how was it over there on the other side of the country? (laughs) It was pretty cold at the beginning, but now it's uh, rainy. It's like uh, Vancouver weather. Yeah, super rainy. It's like springtime. It smells like worms. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. Does sound like Vancouver, actually. Um, with, with the, with the new year comes, uh, a new season of tokens, uh, season two, which I just had a chance to watch. Um, you know, this, this term token or tokenism has, has been around, you know, forever, you know, movie, movie used, remember it was like scary movie or, you know, you say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm the token black guy or whatever for, for you two, does that word or term have a specific meaning? I, I think it does have that meaning. And then certainly it it now has extended to the creative process as well. So sometimes there, you know, it was generally a male-dominated industry. And so now sometimes we had a token woman or a token person of color. And so it, it does uh, represent what our uh, experience has been. But I think adding that to a comedy um, turns it on its head a little bit because we sort of acknowledge it, but we want to make, we want to make light of our experience because we've managed to get to a show. We've managed to lead a uh, award-winning web series. It's, you know, it's, um, it's sort of uh, our, fun way of uh, thumbing our noses at that whole situation we've been put in. Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, tokens is, you know, it's just being like the only one in the room, uh, you know, as a certain way. And I think tokens, the series really embraces the opportunity of being a token and creating something great out of it. Does comedy work best when it's based in some sort of truth? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the pain that our characters feel is something that we are, it's universal to us to like have certain dreams and to feel that you're not, um, you don't necessarily have the ability to do it based on your experience or, or, you know, ethnicity or something like that, or your gender. And so um, that sort of goal to achieve something is something that people are uh, universally um, connected to. And it, that happens whether it's in all different industries, but we've centered on an industry that I know really well, um, it, and that is the film and television industry. How much, how much of the script is is either improv or sort of like is 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 everything written prior to shooting, or 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 how much do you do you all work together to create the scenes and the dialogue and and the characters? Well, well, everything is scripted. Everything is scripted. Um, I think uh, as a director, I l- allow our actors to play, but they really come into those performances having read the script and and being able to make choices uh, with their character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, tokens was scripted, and then um, 
as an actor, I always find moments where, you know, you just go in and you just play. And then when he goes, don't do that. I go, okay. But as an actor, you got it. You got to play. Like you got to take what's given and then make it yours. So, you know, instead of asking for permission, I just beg for, for, for forgiveness or the director sometimes loves it. And in Wendy's case, she's, she'll, she'll, she'll let you know. Um, you know one of one of one of the big well one of sort of the the two big terms these days you hear is diversity and then blind casting like way back when Grey's Anatomy said they sort of participated in blind casting but then you have a, a show like Bridgerton who didn't engage in blind casting because they specifically wanted these types of people or 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 or, or these people of color um what are what are your thoughts on on blind casting and sort of those types of initiatives? I I really think that you have to be intentional with your casting. I think if you just sort of make it open and blind and right now open casting is or open ethnicities is common in casting, but I think if you want to make a difference in terms of inclusion, you have to be intentional with the the casting and now that there's a lot more um BIPOC writers as well they put those uh characteristics into the script and if you have a director of color then they uh respect that a lot um I think the blind the idea of blind casting makes it it's um it's a way of uh letting people off the hook because people of color don't necessarily have the breadth of experience that they that other people have had and so with a lot you know they're just not going to have that much experience and 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 so you have to give them their opportunities and work with them so that they grow as artists and i think as a as a emerging filmmaker it was my intention to be um open to playing with people that didn't have as much experience mm -hmm. um, yeah and we did a great job casting <laughs> and um uh also just the term blind casting i find it doesn't make sense because there are so many of us who look so different like you have to acknowledge that we all look different and we all have unique qualities about us so i think um yeah that's just what i really wanted to say bro just even the definition is like embracing that we are like a cultural mosaic we do all look different and making that work with intentionality and um searching for the artist for the actor for the role yeah and another thing that was brought up was you know i think it was 2017 where uh inclusion rider was brought up by francis mcdormand and her acceptance speech and now uh in in the show that they mentioned that 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 is 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 dead or or is no longer a like a a, a rel relative term um where where are you two on 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 that and maybe how 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 does that fit in with with your your whole identity as as artists well definitely when it was it was like a gauntlet that was thrown down but it didn't have um it didn't have context in it people didn't know what that what that meant um, and certainly season one of Tokens, we dealt a lot with that, that phrase because it was very popular at the time.
But I think as we bring more people into the industry and allow them to have their baby steps and uh, give them opportunities to rise above the emerging category and be a mid, uh, mid-level mid artist, I think getting those opportunities, um, inclusion writers, uh, I don't think ever worked in the first place. I think that that uh, phrase was something that we made fun of in season one. Um, and the comedy for that was that it didn't, it didn't work. Um, and anybody who tried to do it like sort of without thinking about it really uh, ended up failing. I think part of it is uh, to look at, um, look at the general population, look at the people that you're surrounded by. And is that represented with the, the crew that you have and the cast that you have? Mm-hmm. yeah just to go off what Winnie said it's <clears throat> I don't yeah it was just like inauthentic the way the inclusion writer started off it was really great that it was addressed but again like like of what you know and how do you do it authentically how do you do it in such a way where people feel like oh yeah this feels this feels right or this feels aligned so um that's what's so funny about it is that it doesn't work and you can yeah, and that's but that's also opens to the opportunity to really refine and finesse what we mean by inclusion. And it, I think that play, I had this interesting experience last year about the the language that we use. You know, and there's all these sort of diversity initiatives and things put in places by you know studios or unions saying, "Oh, you can't say this anymore. You can't say this anymore." But I find it interesting because it often comes down from you know, like cis white people who are instituting these, you know, language policies and maybe not initiating them without input from the very communities in which they're trying to include, you know, like uh, I had a work workplace safety meeting and the the woman was like oh well you're you're not allowed to say Mormon anymore it's it's Latter-day Saint and there was a guy in the meeting who was a member or I was a former member of the church. She's like, I don't care. Like you can call me Mormon. It, it doesn't offend me. And she like, so where, where are you on, on that conversation in terms of not only the, the language that we use, but who is implementing that? I think that language, there needs to be sensitivity about language. It's something that, you know, um, it's, uh, uh it's, vibrant and alive and acknowledging that it needs to change in some respects is part of why tokens is funny because there's uh people are sensitive and it it, and it is with all kinds of populations and so understanding that that some people might be offended or and so you say the wrong thing and you have to figure out how to acknowledge that or or work toward uh um language that's more um inclusive but i think i think i think it's in everybody's uh situation i think everybody needs to to use that language or to to move toward it um and you know i acknowledge that sometimes i you know make mistakes and i think that awkwardness of the making of the mistakes is what tokens um really leaned into mm-hmm yeah and just in in my day-to-day as well with i think we're in a really good 
we're in an interesting spot in human evolution, I would say, um, in terms, especially around language and, and, and self-expression and how, how people are choosing to express themselves through gender or all that. And it's learning to um, create like this new language that we all agree upon and are willing to use it. Then there's also this level of like sensitivity that, you know, people do get triggered easily and it's being um, and it's being able to, as someone who, uh, you know, I'm always just like trying new things and I'm willing to like make mistakes. It is a level of like getting, acknowledging the impact on others and also as somebody receiving um, like, like names or something too, it's also learning to be strong and knowing like not taking it personally because someone is just is using a word that you know the land for me specifically like like well but it's also like not taking it personally either we're all learning and allowing for myself and other people to make mistakes with what they're saying is I think really the learning lesson here um you know and one thing that's that's talked about a lot in tokens really well is is the different sense of identities and specifically the Asian identity, you know, because it it's it's so it is it is so um, diverse. And I'm just curious for you as as artists is what do you think the where are we now with with what Asian with seeing Asian identity um, on screen and then more specifically even getting into like Chinese Canadian identity? Well, right now, I we made a joke about that because Asian is such a broad term and people aren't uh, being specific. And so that's why we want to um, lean into talking about that there's more to being Asian than one thing and that there are a lot of differences. So I have East Asian characters and I have... Uh, uh, South Asian characters. And so they're, you know, we're sometimes navigating where, where people belong and also not understanding, you know, like they've now identified um, people, for, you know, um, that, that changes as well. So it's, it's kind of, um, I think it's kind of, funny to not know sometimes where you're yeah. from and then you're trying to dance around it so like I say that I'm Chinese like I'm not gonna say Asian as a as a big bucket Asian um I just say that I'm Chinese and so I try to be a lot more specific about where I'm from mm -hmm. I think that really helps I think also as an artist um uh, like just around the term Asian, I I almost resist, but I see myself stepping into being specific because I don't want to um, not have the opportunity as another Asian artist. Yeah. And I, uh, well, there was a, I think for a lot of people, the, the, the big exposure to the Asian identity on camera was a film like Crazy Rich Asians, um, which happened a few years ago, which even that got a little bit criticized for, you know, specific identities or, 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 you know, the, the way, you know, the way certain people looked on screen, like, 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 like their, their, their skin tones. Um, are those, 
are those necessary conversations to have when 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 making those types of movies from within that community? I I think if the the people that are creating them ha- have done their research, um, it it. I think if you spend too much time talking about it, sometimes you're you're losing out on the the variety. You know, if you make it so specific that you can't find that person, because we talk about checking boxes a lot in tokens. If you're trying to find, you know, one someone that checks three boxes, then you're you're looking for a unicorn, basically. Mm-hmm. And and instead of looking at the person in front of you or you're looking for, you know, um, whether it's a writer, whether it's a director, whether it's an actor, you're you're looking for this unicorn because you're looking at checking boxes. I think if you're looking at, if you're just looking at the person and their inherent talents, then you're looking at the authentic person. Yeah, and I think what makes tokens so so great and so um, magnetic is that there's at the end of the day, there's just a lot of heart, and each each character has depth and has a heart and has, you know, is committed to, to, to themselves and committed, you know, to the possibility of, 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 have, of having a really inclusive, diverse and fun life, right? As a, as an artist. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the, the, the social media guru in, in tokens. Cause that was a, that, that was a really funny moment for me. Um, where did that character come from and what do you make of this idea that basically in order to be successful you have to be online in some capacity now it's crazy you have to be online that's what they that's what everybody tells you i i've met actors who are resistant i've met people who are resistant to social media but that's literally the only way in a lot of ways to get visibility there's so much content out there and that's how people in in sort of um they call them uh internet sensations that they ended up they end up without um necessarily going through theater school or acting school Mm -hmm. or film school they end up being having millions of followers based on something that went viral and I think that the resistance to social media um, m- makes it harder for some artists to gain traction. But I also, you know, I also believe in that character. I wrote that line where Essay says it's a bullshit trend because <laughs> it, it really is, um, you know, it doesn't really necessarily um, uh indicate talent per se yeah definitely i was very resistant to social media myself for a while and then i fully embraced it around the time we were shooting tokens and so i can definitely see how it has worked for me and then i can also see like times like i need a break like social media detox like those times of you those yeah just putting those times in throughout the year is really important too because yeah at the end of the day it's very um it feels very showy and as an artist you know you do need to create time for yourself where nobody knows what's going on and you just get to be with yourself have ideas you know create make magic you know write and then you don't have to be posting about your life all the time 
you know, it's, it's interesting. Social media can do, you know, can do great things. Like we've seen, you know, mm-hmm. things like the Arab Spring start or, you know, BLM start on social media. And then the other half of it can seem very, very shallow. Um, what do you think that says about us as, 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 a, as a people that, you know, these two things are existing simultaneously? Well, for me, I'm, I think it's like what what perspective you bring to social media. If you think it's shallow, it's going to be shallow, right? But um, I've learned like throughout the pandemic even is to like, how how am I going to utilize social media for Connie um, as an actor and also CEO as someone who just starts businesses? Okay, okay, we'll bring it on. It's a business thing. So it's creating that separation that if I have my social media create me as a separate identity, like Connie Wong out in the world is, you know, it's, it's, it's a character. She is a character and um, she's separate from like private Connie. She is. And I think that's how I keep my sanity. And that's how I create it so that I don't feel shallow because at the end of the day, I've agreed that this is for business and it's, I'm not selling my soul. Right. I can feel when I'm about to sell my soul and I'm like, I don't like this. So I want to keep them very distinct. Connie Wong out in the world on the internet. And then Connie Wong can call me and we can talk. Like it's, it's, it's distinct. They're separate. So that's what I've created for myself. I, I think there's, there's like, I think there's connectivity with um, social media and I've met people first on social and then in real life. And you you kind of build relationships. You can build relationships because it's easy. It's not it's uh it's not time based. You, you know, someone can post something and then someone can acknowledge it at a later time. So I love that in terms of um, being connected with people. Um, so I use that mostly for connecting. Um, I think part of my journey is that I was behind the scenes before I became a director and I use social to announce that I'm now a director. And that was part of the, the strategy that I learned in a program called women in the director's chair. And so um, in order for people, all the relationships that I had um, known me as a script supervisor, how are, how do I tell them on a, on a, on that scale that social media has and the impact that it has in going back to the black lives matter movement and the social media, um, social, social equity ninja that we had the character. Um, one of the things that happened in that time was that a lot of people posted those black squares. I have one on my Instagram and we all had one it. And, um, at the time, uh, a lot of comments, commentary was based on, on that and um and my producing partner trini and i you know wrestled with what our what's our message going to be and i you know basically we agreed that tokens is our message how we employ people how we cast people that's our message and we and that's why we you know on our social we didn't on our token social we didn't put anything we didn't send out a a statement or anything like that because we committed an entire season of tokens to Mm. that sort of um, messaging 
you know, j- j- just on on that note, when you know, when when the BLM movement was happening, when when ACAB was 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 happening, how do you how do you feel that the the Asian community overall responded to 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 something like that? I was very uh, aware of um, the support that the Asian community had for uh, the BLM, BLM movement. Um, you know, we had lots of uh, imagery that we shared, and there was a lot of discussion. It was, you know, it happened during um, the height of the pandemic, where everybody was inside and zooming and stuff. So there was a lot of um, discussion with regards to how do we support that movement? How do we lend ourselves? Because Asian people are somewhat more insular as a community sometimes, and we don't necessarily stick our necks out. And I think at that point, we needed to do that to support. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think, you know, the stereotype of an Asian person with their head down and doing their own thing needed to be broken because we needed to show up and stand up with them. Yeah. And yeah, during that time, there was a lot of discussion as well, I would say in like the Asian community. And I would say that there's a difference between like, which like specifically the Chinese community, but also what age, right? Cause like I was born here and so was Winnie and there's, but for me, I found like parents, someone, they had a different context and there was different things that were coming up in our discussions that we were able to work through, um, which I thought was really healing, like as a family and to be able to say things that I think I would have condemned before, but now knowing I'm like, it's okay to say, like, to, it's like, say what you need to say and then I'll see where you're coming from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's a there's a great bit um, in the show where you know she she lists off all the letters of the of the queer rainbow, and there's a big discussion now, obviously, about whether you know whether straight cis straight actors should play gay characters. And I remember a conversation happening years ago with Memoirs of a Gay Show where there was controversy because the Japanese characters were played by Chinese actors, for example. Um, as 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 creators, where do you sit in that conversation? I think we have to be as authentic as possible. I I as an Asian creator, and uh, I'm always seeking to find um, truth in my storytelling. And so I I feel like the the things that have been written. Um, the feedback that I get from the actors when they read it is that, oh, this feels really like real to me. And this feels like my experience. And because I'm seeking those truths, and I, I think that's that's where I land with that. Seeking truth. Yeah. I'm still, I mean, I'm always in discovery with, with this around, um, first of all, I could always tell when Winnie's written the script. So I I know that, um, yeah, so that feels really aligned when I'm playing Sammy and I know it's coming from, yeah, it's coming from truth and it feels like aligned. 
Um, and then in terms of like what you were asking about, you know, like well, who, who's playing what, um, like as an actor, I don't know still. Like, I don't know how that's supposed to be because when Winnie says seeking truth, me too. Like, I think as artists, we're here to express express truth, express what's authentic to like my, I'm here to express what's authentic to me. So I don't actually know how that looks right now. Um, I obviously tend to play more, you know, Asian Chinese characters, but what does that mean as someone who's born in Canada or like North America? And, you know, I have the same culture as like a white person or a black person or, you know, someone who's also born here. Like that can be interchangeable. I can play a role like that. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm not like really category categorizing myself based on how I look, but at the same time I am cognizant of how I look and how that could land. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as actors, you don't want to be pigeonholed into being mm -hmm. acting and performing the role that's exactly like yourselves. You want to be able to stretch your creativity. I think it's it's uh it's when um when someone is obviously being um you know taking a role that might really help another person i think it you know we all uh, you know we launched the campaign to fund tokens at the same time Scarlett Johansson was in Ghost in the Shell. So she is an a, a amazing actress. I'm like loving her work. But at that time, was that the best role for her? Uh, was that choice the best role? I'm not sure. Like it, it did get a lot of flack for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think you, I, I think as as a, say a producer or distributor they would want her because she she actually um will get the eyeballs and so that's a constant struggle as a you know as a creator you're also a producer and so this is where we've created a system where certain people are stars and they're guaranteed box office mm -hmm. and they look a certain way so how do we make stars of someone like Connie how do we make stars of someone like uh, Ryan Allen, who plays Damar? How do we make stars of these people so that they too bring in the box office? That that's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, you know, I, I you, you mentioned stars, and you know, to to a viewer of movies, when you see a ch a Chinese star or an Asian star, you know, they're martial artists. You got people like. Jackie Chan, Jet Li, for example, Chow Young Fat. Um, how 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 does how do you feel about that? I mean, we're 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 seeing, you know, less of that now. Like we've got um, uh, uh, Simu Liu and um, you know, uh, other uh, Michelle Yeoh is coming back. But but the fact that you you had to be a certain type of of actor to be if you're asian to, to to be a star yeah i i mean we make fun of this uh, relentlessly in tokens um talking about how uh 
kung fu is like the only way you can talk to an an Asian actor. So we, I, as a creator, acknowledge that it's been a stereotype, but at the same time, you know, now that we've created a body of work where not everybody needs to do kung fu, it's now. I think we're at a uh, uh, cusp of finding uh, actors who don't necessarily have martial arts backgrounds to in order to succeed. Yeah. And also just speaking from like, yeah, I I have done martial arts, right? Because I thought I had to, because, you know, my agents, my team, they just want the best for me. They're like, you know, you, you got to get into martial arts. So I, I was horrible, but I did, I, I managed to be in like Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a bit for like over a year. And I actually found a bit of joy in that. Um, but it's hard to like do something that, I was never inspired to do based on how I look. Yeah. So I, I, so tokens like was really aligned because that's me like doing stuff. I'm like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want this. Like, yeah, I guess this could be a good tool for my toolbox being able to do martial arts, but I don't really care. Right. Whenever something goes wrong um in in tokens the producer always uses the phrase teachable moment um it's like oh we messed it up that's a teachable moment that's a teachable moment um do you is 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 that is that a phrase you like is is that a phrase that that works when when talking about all these different initiatives that that studios are trying to put in place i think we're all learning <laughs> And uh, I think we put these um, teachable moments in as comedy um, uh, points so that people see them as teachable moments. I think, you know, if you're not aware that you're you're making mistakes and you can learn from it, um, then 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 the the comedy doesn't work as well. I think we're commenting on the fact that we make mistakes mm -hmm. and having uh, the producer character be the the person that makes the most mistakes because she's actually, she's trying to hold everything together, right? Um, and, and, you know, getting, you know, an inclusion writer thrust upon her and having to like juggle all of these expectations, she's, she ends up, um, you know, putting her foot in her mouth the most. Mm -hmm. I wanted, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing a lot more, um, I guess, Asian representation on, on screen. Like we have the Eternals, we have uh, the Legend of the Ten Rings, and we could see a couple Oscar nominees this year with uh, Michelle Yeoh and Kihi Kwan, who actually said it was uh, crazy rich Asians that inspired him to get back in front of the camera. Um, how how do you feel about where we are now in terms of representation on screen and 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 see see seeing yourselves in in that light? I think the the sooner we don't talk about representation, the better. I think you know I see a show which I love. Uh, it's on Apple um, TV. Is Pachinko like that? Is a that is such a nuanced 
like alive. The characters are uh, subtle. They live in their world and they don't talk about being an immigrant. They don't talk. They're not talking about uh, inclusion. And this, the more we can live in that uh, space and they just are, the more they, they can mm-hmm. be in love, they can feel disappointment, all these emotions that you see in um, storytelling that is when we've evolved to a spot that that's where I want to go. Yeah. A hundred percent. The, 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 this idea of the short from web series, which we saw 15 years ago when YouTube first came out, it was, it was a way to get internet content and then it, it blew up to streaming. And now we're seeing a, a, a return to all the short form, you know, whether it's on, you know, Vimeo or, or YouTube or whatever. Um, what what do you what do you like about the the short form content, especially because in the days of in the age of social media, people seem to have shorter attention spans? Hmm. Um, I think I don't know if people actually have shorter attention spans. Like I think mine's still at like you know forty five minutes. <laughs> it's always been at forty five minutes. Need a break. Um, <laughs> I think though, it's, it's the fact that we have variety of content, which is really great. And what makes tokens being a web series being short form is that, you know, people are more likely to watch it. Um, yeah, people are, could just be more likely to watch it because they could watch it during lunch or on their commute to work. Um, it can be incorporated into life a bit easier. That's how, that's how I see it. Is the benefit of a web series short form? Yeah, I think uh, short form. I I like tend to disagree in terms of the support for short form. I think that um, while we have this Roku sale and we're going to be worldwide on Roku, um, I think there's less interest in short form content because of uh the collapse of quibi i think there was a lot of um interest in short form they really pushed for short form Uh, a lot more people made short form there was a lot more funding for short form there was a lot more uh festivals for short form and i think there's been actually a contraction with short form content um and it's a shame because I think with short form, it really is a, it really does stand on its own as uh, content. Um, certainly season one of tokens is written for short form where you can just catch an episode, they stand alone. Season two, the the strategy behind season two is to show a more a mature storytelling. And the reason why we want to do that is because um, we feel that tokens can be a half hour comedy on uh, either a streamer or broadcast. And um, the themes that we sort of grapple with are ripe for um, uh, bigger audiences. I think short form in terms of where you can find it, people don't seek it out nearly as much as they used to. 
so you 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 mentioned Roku, which is uh, uh, an interesting kind of new service that that's come in the last couple of years. What what do you what do you like about Roku compared to maybe some of the other outlets that are out there? I think um, I I love the Roku channel because it exists um, on a lot of television sets as an app. Uh, I love that it's free content. So then you're, um, you're, it's more equitable in terms of finding audience. Um, it's uh, worldwide. So as a streamer, it's very exciting for us to be able to be accessed um, everywhere. And we're looking forward to seeing the analytics and seeing the audience pop um, from other places and, and hopefully we stay on top of their um, front page so that, you know, we tokens gets recommended on the Roku channel um, front and center. You know, just like when you, when you watch uh, say a Netflix series, you know, people are, you know, it's curated and guided toward some of the top streaming um, shows uh, that have recently dropped. And so that's why you get the most views. And so, um, for us to drop on Roku, we can have that same sort of uh, potential. Will there be a season three? We want to be a half hour comedy. I think uh, we've graduated. We've graduated. <laughs> yeah. How, how for you, how much different will that be doing a half hour than six or seven minute episodes um i would definitely need to expand the writing team obviously you know it was a struggle as um writing all a lot of these episodes and and show running them and um bringing them into the shape tonally for the the series um you know, but what I love about it is you end up having uh, more resources, which, you know, if you saw tokens, it has a very professional quality, um, but we did it a lot on um, a lot of people's goodwill. They wanted to work on it, but we also want to reward those people by giving them full-time jobs for this season. Well, uh, season two premieres on Roku, I believe, January 10th, according to my mm-hmm. notes. Does that sound about right? Yes, it's January 10th on Roku. I encourage all the listeners to check out season two of Tokens on Roku. Winnie Connie, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank Woo! you so much. And welcome. as a, as a, a postscript... Just for all the people that have missed season one of Tokens, and we talked a lot about that, season one and two will appear on the Roku channel. So if you saw season one, you can catch up with season two. But if you missed it and you really liked this conversation, you can catch both season one and two on the Roku channel. Check it out, season one and season two. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. And there you have it. That was my conversation with Winifred Jong and Connie Wang. Season 2 of their show, Tokens, premieres tonight on the Roku channel. 
that about does it for me today. My thanks to Connie and my thanks to Winifred. Make sure you check out Tokens and I will see you next time. So long for now.